Gale's open, they're away in the Golden Slipper, there's a great start, and Mick Mitt Basque on the extreme outside is about the first out, Jeff Boyle. Jagler on the outside, lunging, but Catlin opening just in front, Jagler trying desperately, can't reach him. Catlin opening has lasted to win the Doncaster by a hit to Jagler. This Iron podcast is brought to you by Racing New South Wales, Sky Racing and Inglis. The Scone Race Club will host a unique two-day carnival on Friday, May 14 and Saturday the 15th. On the Friday, they'll stay at home for the Scone Cup and the Inglis Two-Year-Old Challenge. But the following day, the Scone Club will take the show to town for the Group 3 Dark Jewel Classic worth 200000 and the listed quality sprint, the Luskin Star Stakes. The black type racers just keep rolling at Rose Hill with the listed Hortensia Stakes, the listed Denise's Joy and the listed Woodland Stakes for the two-year-old fillies. Complementing the program will be the $300,000 listed English three-year-old guineas. The 2021 Scone Racing Carnival will spread huge prize money over two venues. Friday, May 14 on home turf at Scone, Saturday the 15th at Rosehill Gardens. The championships are over, but the autumn spectacular rolls on. Racing aficionados were well aware of John Shelton's capabilities as a horse trainer long before he brought Bellflyer to Randwick for the inaugural running of the Kosciuszko in 2018. The Grafton-based horseman had won hundreds of races and countless northern premierships, but his reputation was propelled into another stratosphere when Bellflyer overcame a wide barrier and a tough run to win the $1.3 million feature on a heavy nine track. The significance of the win wasn't lost on John, who was glued to the big infield screen from his position on ground level opposite the winning post. He didn't mean to burst into tears. It just happened, as the enormity of the occasion hit him like a ton of bricks. He described it later as the greatest moment of his life. There were 11 other runners in that first Kosciuszko, with Jenny Graham saddling up two of them. 11 trainers shared the dream of winning a race worth so much money and of such enormous promotional value. But in 2018, it was John Shelton's turn and nobody begrudged him his moment in the sun. He's been winning races ever since from his Grafton base, hopeful that one day he'll identify another potential Kosciuszko or country championship prospect among his 20-horse team. Time to catch up with a respected member of the New South Wales training ranks. John Shelton, a big welcome to the podcast. Yeah, hello, John. Mate, I'll bet you've looked at the replay of that Kosciuszko 50 times just to make sure it really happened. Yeah, I sure do, yeah. I reminisce about him, yeah. It's great to sit back and watch it again. He went back from his wide barrier and he was actually in front of only three horses at the 800 metres. He was the widest of all on the home turn, spotting the leaders a pretty big start. What were you thinking at that stage of the race coming around the corner? Well, at this stage, he'd never never been on a heavy 10 before and uh, we weren't that sure if he'd handle it. And uh, Mm. that's his normal pattern. He does get back and uh, 
uh, yeah, just watched it from there unfold and he sort of started pe- pegging a few off and um, mm. getting, getting about the 200. I thought he's going to run a place, this old fella. And, uh, Did you? Yeah. Then it just hit top gear and, yeah, it was great. Mm. Hey, John, from the top of the rise until the 50-metre mark, gosh, he went quick. Uh, his run probably ended just the last little bit, but his momentum carried him from there and he beat Sun Craze and Autumn Pluck. You know, his turn of foot on that sort of going was unbelievable. Yes, he, that was his trademark. He had one good 200-metre dash and he could come quickly, yeah. Mm. I think there were three key elements on the day uh, that triggered your emotional reaction. One of your three sisters, Lynn, had driven all the way from Armadale to be there. You knew your mum, Beryl, who was 85 at the time, would be watching at Glen Innes with her few dollars on Bell Flyer. And the horse was ridden by your former apprentice and your good mate, Adam Hieronymus. It all got to you. It did, it did, yeah. So you, um, you, you, you just day. suddenly found yourself in, in tears, did you? And you didn't mean it to happen. That's exactly right, John. Yeah, it was, um, it was a great day. Yeah, could never mm. forget it. Now, Mum must be 87 by now. Yes, she would be around that very close. And she's a regular punter. She likes a little dabble. Oh, she has a go, yeah. She follows, the lo- follows all my horses, but, she, you know, she's always been a – Mm. Uh, yeah, a dollar punter, and uh, she just enjoys the racing here. God love her. Give her our best regards, John. I will. Now, mate, sadly, Adam, whose career was really starting to gather momentum, ran into a hurdle last year when he was convicted of betting offences and was disqualified for three years. But we had the good news a few weeks ago that he's been granted a reduction of eight months. You know, John, jockeys have been having a punt since the first race meeting at Hyde Park in 1810. (laughs) But the rule is now intensely pleased and those who get caught will have to find another job. And you tell me Adam has done just that. Yes, yes, it's it's sad that it happened. He was just getting a really good roll on and uh, he's a great rider and a great guy. And the the crime doesn't fit the time and that's about it, yeah. Mm. You speak to him a lot. In fact, I think you ran into him recently in Sydney. Yeah, we, we had a, a couple of drinks uh, when I was down there for the championships and mm. oh, we talk three or four times a week, yeah, really, mm. yeah, every week. Good, good stuff. Bell Flyer was a great story, John. He was passed in at the English Premier Sale as a yearling and he was raced by his owner in Victoria where he won three races from 18 starts Then he was sold privately to Queensland owners and he won his first start at Ipswich for Damien Rideout. Then he went to Neville Peterson at Toowoomba. He won a couple of races there, including the Warwick Cup. Then you got a call from managing owners Troy Hogan and Rodney Rideout who said they wanted to have a crack at the Country Cups up north and uh, you got the job. Yeah, just come out of the blue, sort of, John. Um, I'd known um, Rodney Wright out for a few years and had a horse with him before and uh, hadn't spoke to him for a long time and it was just, yeah, just come out of the blue and I said, oh, I'll give him a go, yeah. Mm. Um, 
Lovely. Yeah, it was a good phone call. I'll bet when you looked up this horse's pedigree, you got a pleasant surprise. He, he's by Black Caviar's sire, Bella Spree. He's out of a mare called Flying Ruby, who also happens to be the dam of Flying Artie, which you wouldn't have realised at that time. Flying Artie went on to win a Group 1, and um, he's now a Group 1 sire. He got the Blue Diamond winner recently. But isn't better loosen up? Uh, involved in that family a couple of removes back? I'm pretty sure it is, John. I'm not 100%, but, yeah, he's a lovely bred horse and a lovely horse with him. Yeah, he's a beautiful horse. Well, you really had something to work with. Yeah, for sure, yeah. Two or three trainers had him, which they all won races with him and that. But, uh, Mm. yeah, he really really put it together when he got to my place. Not saying I did anything different, but Mm. um, everything just fell into place and he just got better and better. Yeah. Well, you got him up and running quickly. He ran second in the Casino Cup. Then he won the Moree Cup. Then you took him to the Darling Downs to win his second Warwick Cup. And then you decided to throw him into the Ramoni Handicap at Grafton with a handy weight. You put little Bobby Alyssa on him and he ran a cracking second to have a say with tie zone in third place. You must have been thinking of the Kosciuszko at that stage, were you? Yeah, that sort of that sort of sealed that deal. Yeah, he ran a great race in the in the Romani, and um, we're a bit probably a shade unlucky. Benny, look at his his regular rider fell in the race before. Not that Bobby rode him badly or anything; he rode him terrific. But mm. just Benny knew him, and sort of uh, you, you never know. We'll never know. It just might have made that bit of difference. But um, mm. that's how that. Yeah. Well, he had no luck his next couple after the Ramorni. He ran third on the Gold Coast and then a fourth at Doombin. And then you made a bold call. You decided not to run him again until the Kosciuszko, and that was many, many weeks away, hoping the Ramorni placing would attract a slot holder. Now, how close to the race was it when Thad King and his mates offered you their slot? Uh, it, we had to work for it, yeah. Uh, got to the one stage where we're not going to get in this and uh, had a few little nibbles and um, they were holding off a couple of them and uh, anyhow, they, they the owner done the, the wheeling and dealing and um, mm. they come up with a plan and they accepted it and um, that was it, yeah. Mm. Now, John, after the Kosciuszko win, he didn't race for a year. Did he have problems in that time or couldn't you find races? No, he had a, a hairline fracture of his pelvis and um, mm. that was sort of, he uh, was never the same and we prepared him one more time and, um, yeah, he um, we got him, we took him to Gatton to the big vets up there and mm. we thought we might have got another prep out of him but uh, it didn't happen, so, mm. yeah. He did come back, didn't he? He won a race on the sunny coast. He did, yep. Then he was out of a place at Eagle Farm uh, and then you sent him out again to freshen him up before another crack at the Kosciuszko, but it was not to be. It was not to be, that's it. You tell me he's got a wonderful life after racing. Yeah, one of the part owners lives up at Rockhampton and he's got a little pony in the paddock with him and they often send a, a photo down with him. 
playing in the dam with his little pony or standing underneath him and mm. yeah, he's got a he's got a great life, yeah, which is really good to hear. Well, John, in this age of uh, public awareness of the fate of ex racehorses, these are the sort of stories we need to hear and we love to hear. Oh, for sure, yes, yeah, yeah. You've got to watch where you, what, what happens to them now, yeah. You know, many have forgotten that you started your racing life as an apprentice jockey in Glen Innes. Correct me if I'm wrong, I think your first boss was Don Cameron and your yep. second was Walter Doolan, who owned and trained a terrific old horse called Tiny Spinito, who won 40 races. But I think Tiny was before your time, wasn't he? Uh, he's after. He came later. Oh, I after. Rode, I beg your pardon. Yeah. I, I won a few races on his mother, on Tony's mother, and uh, mm-hmm. and then I'd sort of give it away. And um, Tiny Finito came along. Yeah, he was a great horse. Mm-hmm. Well, 40 wins, it doesn't happen. <laughs> Not these days. Uh, back back then, uh, he was a, gr- a really good horse there. Well, he'd have been the highlight of Walter Doolan's life, I'd imagine, and uh, he'd have been the main topic of conversation. Oh, yeah, he, he was a well-loved and followed horse, that fellow, yeah. You rode 40 winners all up, uh, all of them on north and northwestern tracks. Did you ride anything better than a useful horse at any time? Not really, John. I wasn't that fortunate. I, um, yeah, it wasn't, ma- wasn't meant to be, yeah. I, I enjoyed it, but, um, then I started to get a bit heavy and uh, mm. uh, that was the end of that. Mm. Well, increasing weight uh, decimated your chances of continuing as a race rider, but you mm-hmm. wanted to stay in the game and you decided to offer your services as a work rider and good work riders are hard to get, as you'd know better than most. So you had to pick um, a venue and you selected Grafton. Why did you go to Grafton? Oh, I always had a soft spot for Grafton. There's some great people. It's a real racing town and um, I decided to come down here and I kicked off riding track work with a guy called Daryl Taylor. We had uh, Riverdale as a young horse at the time and mm-hmm. I used to ride him a bit of work and he had some nice horses. The Payne family owned them. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, and then they offered me a couple of horses to train and um, – they, they give me my first horse to train, and I still train for them to this day, yeah. Yeah, I know you do. Let's talk about that horse you just mentioned, Riverdale. Uh, Ross Payne, the late Ross Payne, had just purchased a handful of yearlings in New Zealand. Uh, he brought them to Grafton, and he was putting them through the education process, and you were riding this cult by Riverton. Now, you tell me, first time in, he couldn't keep up with the others. Hopeless. No, that's right. He, um, he had what four and he, he was didn't even plan on buying Riverdale. He got up to go and have a cup of tea and um, his wife liked the colour of him. He's a jet black horse and mm. he sort of, as he was walking towards the, the canteen, he put his hand up and he ended up with him and... Um, when we brought him home, he was a big, big, big horse. And um, mm. we just before we had him educated, we let him run up a furlong before we tipped him out. And he mm. was the slowest one. And uh, come back in next next prep and he got better. Each time we give him a bit of a gallop. And mm. um, and you wouldn't believe he couldn't win a maiden at Grafton. He got, right before he got beat ahead on him. And mm. Johnny Hutchings got beat ahead on him. And he ended up winning his maiden at the Gold Coast. And, Goodness, mate. 
Uh, he wouldn't think he wouldn't be able to win a maiden at Grafton, yeah. Uh, unbelievable. Now, when did he go to Neil Ward at Gosford? Pretty early? Uh, Darrell won quite a few races with him and then Neil got him and he really he shone after that. He mm. just kept winning, won the Empire, the Epsom and yeah. Gosford Cup, Grafton Cup. Yeah, no, great horses. Mm. Yeah, he won nine under Neil Ward's uh, tutelage, 30 placings, and he finished up with a bankroll of almost $800,000. As you said, he won the Epsom with the late Noel Barker in the saddle. That's right, yeah. He won an Ampole Stakes at Flemington. That was a Group 1. And he yep. was placed in three other Group 1s. And Johnny went on and on and on. He raced for a long time. He must have been a sound old fella. He was, yeah, he was a lovely strong horse, yeah. You've remained very close to the Payne family, and to this day, Brian Payne is among your closest friends, and he's still got horses with you. You trained a lovely mare for the Payne family by the name of Star of Sequalo. Now, you tell me she wasn't much to look at, but had a great motor. Oh, she sure was a little spindly thing when we first got her, and... uh, uh, yeah, she just kept winning. Um, she ended up a bit growing into a lovely, lovely horse, um, mm. a little bit unsound, mm. but she was she was the best horse I'd put a bridle on. Yeah, we had some great fun with her. Well, that's interesting. Mm. You rate her the best. She was. Yeah, she had. She should have been unbeaten and um, just mm. about. And yeah, she just 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 something about her. She she had the mm. X factor. She only had eleven starts. She won eight of them. All on metropolitan tracks, John, as you know. Three at Doombin, two at Eagle yep. Farm, one at Randwick, one at Rose Hill, and oh, she did win a maiden two-year-old at Grafton, didn't she? That's right, yeah, she won a maiden out here, yep. Mm. Now tell me the Tony Gollan story. Uh, he took a shine to Star of Sequalo. How did that happen? Oh, he actually didn't take a shine to it. She, the first time I took her to Sydney, I stayed at Timmy Martin's stables and Tony must have had a horse down there. This is before he made it the big time and uh, I met him and uh, he never said nothing about the horse and mm. and he couldn't believe that, you know, she came out and won next day. And uh, a few years, quite a few years later, I was talking to Tony in Brisbane and he said, oh, always think of you when I took that little black mare down there. Mm. She had a hog mane and she's a little thin neck on her. He said, People give me horses and um, they don't look much good, but he said, I'll always give them a, a solid prep just in case. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but after seeing her, anything can happen. That's that's what she looked like, yeah. Yeah, they gallop in all shapes and sizes, John, don't they? <laughs> they do. Tony, of course, at that stage of his career, would never have dreamed he'd be running an operation like the one he has today in Brisbane. No, certainly not. No, that was long before he he hit the headlines. Mm. You wouldn't want that many in work, would you? Oh, uh, not at my age, no. <laughs> yeah, you're <laughs> only yeah. a spring chicken. <laughs> now, John, Mother's Gift was one of your all-time favourites. She'd been she with was. three other trainers before landing in your stable and you were able to win seven, including the race... Every Grafton trainer wants to win the Ramoni Handicap in the year 2000. She led in that. She was ridden by Stephen Tracy, who actually got out of the game for a while, but he's riding again currently with some success. At an age, he chooses not to divulge. (laughs) 
Yeah, he was. Uh, we had, had a lot of luck with Stephen over the years. He was stable rider there for quite a few years, and we won a heap of races. And yeah, that particular day, she uh, she drew fourteen out of fourteen, I think, in the morning. And she come out. She's always a bit suspect at the end of twelve, but he come out straight across, found the fence, rated her perfect, and she give a good kick, and and that was what happened. Yeah, mm. based in Grafton, is he? He was for a good while. He shifted to Coffs Harbour in recent years. Right. Is he writing plenty of work? Oh, he does. He's a great worker. Great worker, yeah. He, mm. um, he, he, he was the most reliable jockey you'd ever find. Was he? Mm-hmm. He'd turn up when you wanted him? Oh, through the floods or anything. He'd still come, yeah. Mm. I was talking to Johnny Grisdale about him recently, and yep. uh, John, of course, is now in his mid-50s. And he'd be having as many rides as anybody uh, on the Northern Rivers. And uh, he thinks he's younger than Stephen Tracy, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I know who's the oldest, yeah. Mm. Now, Sir Dan and Sir Colo, those names will ring a bell to you. He gave you a unique double on one occasion. What was so special about their double? Uh, Sir Colo... And uh, his brother, both won at Eagle Farm on Exhibition Handicap Day, both on the same day. Yeah, that was that was great. They were lovely owners. And, uh, yeah, they won the first race and then the, we waited around and won the last race. And, mm. yeah, they were two nice horses. Um, and Sir Dan, he won in Sydney and um, he won in Brisbane. And um, he was a bit of a butt-cupper. He um, got barred a couple of times with mm. Ike Gallop. Yeah, Um he was um, a smart horse, yeah. He ended up winning races at um, Mauritius, I think. He went uh, Macau, I think. He went Macau, over there. And, yeah. Yeah, great horse, yeah. So Sir Dan and Sir Colo were full brothers in blood? No, no, no. Sir Colo and um, oh, I should I remember the other fellow's name. He was a good horse. No, they weren't. Um, Sir Dan, no, he was younger. He was. Um, oh, right, yeah. Yeah, he, he he was a good horse. He won in Brisbane and Sydney and mm. um and um, yeah, really, really good horse, but he had a few traits. But um, the other two, I can't can't think for the life of me the fellow's name. Mm. Uh, the, the brother to Sir Carlo, but he was a beautiful horse, Sir Carlo, lovely grey horse. Mm. Um, yeah, he was, he was good horse to train. Mm. But that was a memorable day, a double at Eagle Farm, first race and last race. It was, yeah, long day. Another nice horse you've trained in more recent times is Lucky Meteor who won 13 all up in the pain colours and a few of them in Brisbane. Looking at his record, he looks like a very reliable horse. Yeah, very fast horse. Not, he never got headed very very many times. And, uh, yeah, he was he was a really good horse. Yeah, he's sort of become a bit unsound late in his career, but oh, he, he was good, yeah. He won a couple straight. Priscilla Looker won a couple straight on him in Brisbane there when he was a young horse. and. Mm. Yeah, you know, he's very fast. John, we'll just pause for a moment to clear a commitment on the podcast. Back with you after this. The 2021 Inglis Easter sale produced amazing figures, grossing $132 million with an average of $371,000. Top price lot was a schnitzel cult out of Oaks winner and Caulfield Cup runner-up Rising Romance, knocked down to Team Hawks for $2.5 million. The sale will also be remembered as the one that hosted the appearance 
of the last yearlings to be offered by the iconic Reduce Choice, who died in 2019. His final yearling to be offered was Lot 410, a cult from the Japanese mayor Malala, which was very fittingly led in by Arrowfield's Adam Shankly, who had worked with Reduce Choice for more than 17 years. The cult was passed in, but later purchased by bloodstock agent Guy Mulcaster and will go to the Chris Wallace stable. Reduce Choice had been a headliner at Australian yearling sales since his first crop went under the hammer at the 2003 Easter sale. He was to go on to become champion first season sire in 2004, champion two-year-old sire in 05 and 06, champion overall sire three times and at the height of his powers commanded a service fee of $330,000. It was a bittersweet experience for John Massara and the Arrowfield team when the last crop by this colossus of Australian breeding took the stage in the Riverside Auditorium. The English Easter Sale 2021 brought down the curtain on the 20-year reign of an incredible horse. My special guest is Grafton trainer John Shelton. Tar bent. John, what a great money spinner. 11 wins and 11 placings. A very good horse, yeah. Another, you know, honest, good, reliable horse. Had a good turn of foot at the end of a race. Uh, yeah, when he was in, in form, he, he could beat, beat the better fellas around the bush. Yeah, good horse. You've also guided the careers of some very talented apprentice riders. In fact, you've been the Theo Green of the Northern Rivers. Uh, we've already mentioned Adam Hieronymus, but there's Ben Looker. You mentioned him a moment ago. Uh, and Casey Stanley was another, Anthony Allen and Danny Wheeler. Yeah, yeah, those. we had a lot of good times there. I, I like to have the own apprentice and we all got on good. We're all still friends to this day and... Um, Oh, I enjoyed watching their, how they come through their ranks and they all had a bit of luck. Um, no, they're good people. Now, uh, uh, who's riding? Benny Looker is very busy, of course. He doesn't miss many meetings on the Northern Rivers. What about uh, the others, Casey, Anthony Allen and Danny Wheeler? Uh, Danny, he's gone. Um, he's a trainer now down at uh, Maria. Mm. Um, he's done pretty well for himself. Casey's been injured for about must be 12 months since she's not sure if she's going to return or not. Um, who and was the a, other one? Anthony oh, Allen. Yeah, he, he rides his fair share of winners up at uh, Gold Coast in, in, in Brisbane. Um, mm. Yeah, he goes pretty good, Anthony. Yeah. Yeah, now he's sometimes confused with the New Zealand jockey, isn't he, who rode Empire Rose? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah, they used to get him mixed up a bit. Mm. Yeah, Empire Rose, T.K. Allen yeah, was the yep. name he rode under and uh, he won the cup on that mare. She ran in four cups, I think, and was placed in another couple. Okay. Now, John, you greatly value the friendship and the support of a bloke called Vic Bennett. He's a former top-level golfer. He won an Australian PGA title some years ago. And he, he suddenly turned up in Grafton where he settled down. Uh, you befriended him in an unusual way. I think he literally walked into your joint unannounced. 
pretty well, yeah. We were sitting down there having a beer after we fed up and um, Vic walks down there and introduced himself and uh, he was retired and he said, do you mind if I come around and do a few boxes? Well, he said, I used to do a bit of strapping. And I said, yeah, for sure, you know, and he just fitted straight in like he'd been doing it all his life and mm. to this day he still does the same thing. He's the first one here of the morning and, um, yeah, he's uh, he's good with the horses and he, he enjoys it and it's his life, yeah. He comes to track work, what, six mornings a week? Seven. Good, seven. <laughs> Does he really? Yeah, every day, every day. Uh, yeah, he, he's, he goes to bed early and he gets up early, so he said, I might as well come up here and yeah. he potters around and uh, he's a great help to me and a uh, great fella. He's prone to snapping up a share in an odd horse too, isn't he? Yeah, that's his payment. Yeah, we've got a nice little horse here at the moment called Great Marlow, and he's won a couple. And yeah, Vic gets excited with him, and mm. uh, we've had a bit of luck with a few of them. Yeah, that he's been chasing. Yeah, yeah. Mm. You'd have to say Vic Bennett's is a dyed-in-the-wool, twenty-four-carat racing fanatic. He does. He's come in there with his form guide in his back pocket, and. Uh, uh, and gets a few tips all over the place, and we have a little dabble. And uh, mm. I was good the day he led Bellflyer in the day when the Aussie Oscar, and he was, he was as proud as me. John, they say you can always pick a racing fanatic when they've got a copy of Best Bets in their back pocket <laughs> and Sportsman under their arm. That's Victor, yep. <laughs> Tell me, does Vic Bennett swing a club these days on a social level? No, he did that until a few years ago. He had a little up done on his wrist and uh, he's uh, now he's turned it up. Does he watch the golf? Loves it, loves it, yeah. Yeah, of course he would. Now, you tell me something between 80 and 100 horses are stabled on the Grafton Racecourse precinct in Cuban Song Lodge and the Clarence River Jockey Club Lodge complex. Uh Yep. From a training viewpoint, what facilities have you got there? Um, look, we always win. Trainers do that. Um, it, it, I'd rather be here than heaps of other places. You know, we we could do with one more good track, and they're, they're working on it now. Uh, mm. But it's pretty good. We've got the Clarence River to swim in, which is a great place to go. Mm. Great place to swim. It's clean, and it's uh, they enjoy it, and. Uh, the course proper itself, it's the best track in the country track, I think, in New South Wales. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's a good spot. A lot, a lot of nice people in Grafton. They've got a lot of friends. and um, Yeah, it's a lovely place to live. So you've got a bee grass. You've got a pro ride track too, haven't you? Yeah, we've got a bee and a pro ride. We get the we get the A grass and, um, you know, coming into a, a meeting and a special gallop if you've got one good enough to take away. No, they're good. They look after you, yeah. Yeah, well, you've summed it up. You said you wouldn't want to be anywhere else. (laughs) No, that's pretty well right. Now, you say that all swimming of the Grafton horses is done in the Clarence from rowing boats on Wednesday, every Wednesday morning. There must be a few fibs circulating there. Yeah, for sure. It, um, well, we swim some every day, like we rotate them around a bit. But, yeah, we've all got our own boats and uh, we help each other out down the river. There's only place there to tie four up and we rotate them around. And, you know, we all get on pretty good. Good 
pretty good lot of guys here to train with, and mm. uh, that was good, really good. You're a frequent visitor to the winner's circle at the Grafton meetings, and there are plenty of them. How many meetings a year for Grafton? I think it's about 26 or 28, John, yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. Sort of one, to, one a fortnight sort of thing, and, and then the big carnival in the middle of the year. Mm. Yeah, was, look, a few more would be good, but um, mm. cause it's, a, it's the best place to race for a long way. Yeah, so you, you don't need to travel too much, do you? You go to Coffs occasionally. I think I saw you at Taree not long ago. Yeah, I like Taree. Um, yeah, we have to travel a little bit when... Um, Ballina, and they're not too far away, so it's mm. and the roads are really good now, so it's sort of it's not not as bad as it used to be. No, you like to keep the team to twenty and no more. That's about it these days. Yeah, it's sort of track work riders and good staff are hard to find, but it, I sort of battle. We battle away, and uh, mm. uh, yeah, that's enough. Yeah, fifteen be better. Uh, but we're working twenty at the moment, but um, they come and go. John, I wanted to ask you about a little mare you've got. You might have thrown her out of work, I think, just recently, by the name of Tara Jasmine. Now, I watched her run second in the country championship qualifier at Coffs Harbour. I thought uh, she went absolutely off the planet that day. Uh, Then you had to take her to Brisbane for a race to keep her ticking over. And then she turned up at Randwick in the final of the country championship and didn't she strike some trouble? Oh yeah, it was a it was a shame. She might have come to her end by then too. We never even had the championship sort of in the wasn't on the program. And when she won so well first up, and all of a sudden the plans started. Probably come around a little bit too quick for her, but I'm sure she's going to win the stacker race. So that's really she's mm. there's something about her. Yeah, she's um, she's exciting. Yeah, she's by a stallion called Cowboy Blue. Uh, that'll throw a few people off the scent. He is a son of High Chaparral. Yes, um, never raced. I think one of the Cummings has had him, and uh, he mm. ended up at Coffs Harbour. And, uh, and the, the guy that bred her, they must have been sitting in the pub, and mm. I'll give you a service for you. And, and that's how that happened, sort of out of the blue, yeah. Now, of the 20 horses you've got in work there, you've already mentioned one. Uh, that Vic Bennett's has a share in, a great Marlowe. Um, yep. Any others that punters could keep an eye on in the future? Uh, that little mare that just got beat on Friday out here, super slick. She's a very fast little filly. She's going to win a race or two. I've got some nice young ones there that are just about to trial and mm-hmm. jump out. But they look the part. Um, yeah, just... Um, I haven't got another bellfly there at the moment or Star Sequilo, but we're working on it. Mm, I'll bet you are. Now, you've got one in the place with an intriguing name who can obviously gallop a bit, Buggerlugs. Buggerlugs, <laughs> he's, he's a good horse. Uh, yeah. He's had a great operation. Nice, nice owners that have got him. And, um, yeah, he's been a, Yeah, I got him a sort of – he'd won a maiden and then – he put a few together. He won a midweek race at Eagle Farm, I think it was. And um, mm. yeah, he's um, he might be uh, the, probably the best horse I've got there, I'd reckon, at the moment. Would yeah. he? Yeah. Well, he, he's a favourite among the pub and club punters. They love him. The name gets him in. <laughs> they do. I've often asked how uh, 
Yeah, where's Bugalugs? Yeah, the people they can remember that name. Yeah. Yeah, yes. Now, John, the country championship, the Kosciuszko, and the regular Tab Highways have provided a tremendous stimulus to country stables. Now, have you found there are more people getting involved in your region? Uh, there seems to be a lot of horses around, yes. I think it has definitely helped. There uh, some great races like they weren't heard of two or three years ago and then all of a sudden, you know, you, you start looking at, at that, that sort of horse that maybe will get you there. So it's mm. sort of created a lot of interest. You're an ex-jockey, uh, rode 40 winners in the north and northwest, and uh, I can't help myself, but I always like to ask this question, probably an unfair question, of ex-jockeys. Who is the one rider um, who has reigned supreme in your mind? Who, who's been the one you had the most admiration for? Oh, a hard question. Um always like Darren Breedman. I thought he was a he rode a winner for me on Sir Dan there and just a great, great rider. Mm. Um but there's been there's many there I could mention, yeah, for sure. Well, um, no doubt you'd be looking for a telltale sign every day that something in that stable might be good enough to aim up for a Kosciuszko or country championship. Do you think you could handle that sort of pressure again? One more time. <laughs> Good on you, John. Well, you're as keen as ever. Looks like you'll, you'll be one of those old trainers that just fades away. <laughs> yeah, I often wonder. Yeah, when I I can't see myself not being without a horse, even if it's one or two when I get when the time comes. But I'll still play around with something, surely. Good on you. I want to see you there at age ninety. It's be great. John, thanks for your time. Lovely to have you on the podcast and it's been a delight. We like to catch up with country trainers from time to time and this week it was your turn. Thanks very much, John. John Shelton on a podcast produced by Supernova Sound. <laughs> 